Hello, listeners. This week on Fighting in the War Room, we recorded a review of the Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life, a selection that will be joining the Criterion Collection and is currently streaming on HBO Max. We had a very pleasant time with this gentle comedy, but the film does include instances of casual racism against Asians and Asian Americans. The podcast was recorded before this week's violence in Georgia that targeted Asian people, and although we want to steer you towards responsibly engaging with content that may be challenging overall, we felt this particular conversation just wasn't meant for this week. We've replaced this week's segment with a dispatch from our youngest critic, Charlie, who joins Katie for a discussion of Detective Pikachu. We will bring you Defending Your Life next week. Dawn of Justice! In honor of finally talking about the new Justice League next week, what's the subtitle of Zack Snyder's Justice League 2? Uh, I'm Katie Rich, and I'm imagining a short and simple victory lap. It'll just be called Released. It's a good one, actually. Uh, hmm. I'm Matt Patches. I'm going to go with Justice League 2. Just one long cliffhanger of Batman in the desert. The whole thing. It's just him in the desert this time. We're never going to give you the sequel. It's just that. Hey, it's me, David the Seven, and uh, Justice League, the Fountainhead, because Randy and superheroes. Uh, and I'm David Ehrlich, and I will go with Justice League, hashtag unite the mother boxes, or I guess reunite the mother boxes. Uh, Reunite the mother boxes. The mother boxes are all I care about. I have so many questions about I mean, the desert. The mother boxes are united. Are the mother in boxes the in this one? Is that what this one's about? <laughs> Katie, yes. Katie, you Katie. innocent, you innocent you guys, creature. You guys forget that I never saw Justice League. Oh, oh, I'm going into okay. next week with like the mother boxes deserve their own. She never got the trunk in this one. Each mother box should get its own SAG card for the work that it turns in in the Snyder Cut. Um, <laughs> I'm all about those mother boxes. I do have questions about the desert scene. We have to talk about that at some point. But when the time comes. That would be that, that's, that's, that's next, next, next week. Next week, next week like. literally when that this is. This is the lightning round. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good. Then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 340 and this one is Pandemic 52. Wow, I forgot to mark it in any way, except that it's We just, did it. Here we are. Wow. We did it. 52 weeks. Wow. Still, still not vaccinated. Although, if you no. had told me a year ago on Pandemic 1 that there was a chance any of us would be vaccinated by Pandemic 52, I would have been surprised. I would not have thought there would have been a Pandemic 52, though, also. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there really I think... was some miraculous science that went down. Yeah, yeah right I, I remember, like, three or four months in, people were telling me, like, there may never be a vaccine. Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks. It's really we remarkable. I only wish I knew when any of us would be able to get it. But in Connecticut, they or my family lives, uh, or my mom lives anyway, they announced that anyone over the age of 16, is able to get a vaccine starting in April, the beginning of April. So hopefully yeah. a similar... Sounds cushy. Hopefully something similar happens in New York soon, but no one out there cares. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on several waiting lists, so next week we'll do our vaccine check-in. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I'm number 27,902 on my waiting list. Vaccine wow. FOMO might be even more contagious than COVID. I'm getting jealous. David's feeling uh, it. <laughs> Where do you have to go anyway, man? What is... Let's... Yeah. stay home. Well, no, it's no, only going to get worse when you, start, when you start seeing like people reemerging into life and you're just sort of waiting. Oh, I know. 
But then, I, but then I thought, said, like, what was I doing on Saturdays anyway? I was just sitting at home beforehand, but it's announced. But more importantly, my governor has said there's going to be vaccines available for all adults who want one by the end of April, which means Black Widow's back on for Dave. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn is opening for Black Widow. But, um, wow. uh, yeah, I, what was I going to say? Something about vaccines. I don't. Well, I, I have know. other things to say. Oh, and I was going to say about Pat. Sorry, I was going to just comment patches. Patches the same. We could do it uh, on our new parenting spinoff podcast. Um, we can we can talk about my fear of becoming a parent really in earnest during the pandemic, and now my anxiety that my pandemic life is actually not going to be all that different from the life that I would simply <laughs> live as the parent of a young child. Yeah, um, this, the secret is. Oh, I don't want you to have that anxiety. Per- you should just accept that. Embrace it. It's true. Yeah, no, it yeah is. don't don't be anxious if that's the, the truth. Case. It is. But you know the thing where you like go to the playground and you have masks on and you hang out with your friend and their baby. You just, do, you just get to do that at their house. That's what you. That do honestly, given given that we're coming out of a very cold winter, sounds, yeah, sounds nice, right? Sounds really nice. They have bathrooms and snacks, and Great. you know it's just it's it's cozy. Uh, well, what I was going to say is that this is the, it's Wednesday, March seventeenth, twenty twenty one. That's the day that a nineteen sixty Breathless by Jean Luc Godard premiered. I was only halfway through the intro wow. sentence. Wow, we didn't. We just went straight for the interruption this time and, and spiraled out of control. Yeah, not, actually, Breathless, uh, great film. We still haven't learned yeah. what happened to Batman at the end of that one. He's still wandering the desert. <laughs> right, yeah, that's how, true. Many, yeah. how many mother boxes are in that one? It's been more than 60 years. <laughs> uh, and I didn't ask ahead of time if we had any reviews to avoid Godzilla vs. Kong talk. So, David, and the suspense. Uh, we do have some reviews, but I also have some very exciting news. Which is that, uh, as much as I continue to encourage everyone out there to submit reviews to, you know, make it so that we don't have to talk about this godforsaken Godzilla vs. King Kong movie, I am happy to announce that I'm going to be on vacation the week that Godzilla vs. <laughs> Kong comes out. What? You're not going to have access to a, so a phone or a I, computer? I'm not, not gonna call I'm going in? to a house in the middle of nowhere that is 40 minutes from the nearest restaurant uh, in upstate New York. And... Uh, you know, maybe they won't even have cell phone service, as far as I know. And Are you taking your baby, or is this a real vacation? I know, I'm taking the baby. Mm-hmm. We'll um, send the giant ape with a magical axe to you. And uh, I will mm-hmm. uh, I will be missing that discourse, it seems. Wow. wow. Uh, you're going the week it's released, or the week we record the podcast? About it? I'm going yeah. whatever week it's coming up on this show. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which just uh, means we get to really take our pick of special guests and figure out who who's going to do right by this. Knock your knock yourself out. Um, <laughs> I, having said that, sharing that with you all at the same time as I do with our loyal listenership, uh, can now read the new reviews that we have. We have two short ones. Uh, hey, hello, it's Shaley. Says love, love, love. As someone without many friends that are into movies, fighting in the war room helps me stay in the film conversation without having to be on Twitter excessively. And then an emoji with the like the teardrop on their forehead, and I, I get that what, feeling. What are they What are they trying to say about me? Uh, I am on the Twitter conversation excessively. <laughs> there, I just parse everything. I don't know if they were calling you out by name, but um, also the pod is much appreciated during this insanely long Oscar season. Ain't that the truth? Uh, thank you very much. Hey, hello, it's Shelley. And finally, at Dylan Garcia says, "I won't hear this again." Hi, Fighting in the War Room. I deleted my old review where I said I skipped past the review segment. I still do that. I just don't care about Godzilla vs. King Kong, Dawn of Justice, or whatever. Five stars. You and me both, <laughs> Dylan Garcia. You and me both. Thank you both for leaving reviews on Fighting in the War Room on iTunes. We will happily read them on the show, especially 
for the time being when they stave off uh, Dave's threat of talking about Godzilla vs. King Kong Tom Justice. For those curious, March or April fifth is the is the day that that's happening, no matter what. So get him in, get him in before then, and then we set up a new goal. <laughs> and then stop David from talking about Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Oh man, I will be leaving reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did not watch this movie, but I will nod and talk about Tom Holland's butthole all you want. You can talk I don't about the Russo think brothers. His butthole is in it. His butthole. Oh, his def- butthole. I mean, definitely his, in it. his butthole is not in it. It is a, a butthole is in it. <laughs> he's is he's simulating butt- his. We're in the. We're in the butthole. Yes. yes. <laughs> I right? yeah, about yeah. that part. I, I don't. I don't recall it. Anyway, the, the movie we're talking about, because this oh, is actually the beginning. Of, this should definitely be the beginning of the segment. The movie we're talking about is Cherry, the beautiful butthole of Tom Holland is <laughs> featured in the feature film Cherry by Anthony and Joe Russo. This was this was a big movie. I remember this movie getting announced even before the Avengers movie. This was going to be as soon as they were done with all this Marvel stuff, the Russos were going to pivot back to making like a really personal film uh cherry is based on a book by nico walker who made huge headlines because he was in jail when he wrote this book about his i mean it's not a memoir it's it's a fictional semi-autobiographical novel about you know he served in the military he got back home he was suffering from ptsd he turned to heroin to deal with that that did not help his problems and he was eventually robbing banks and got caught and went to jail and wrote an amazing highly acclaimed novel that is just full of evocative sensory language and um the russo brothers attempt to adapt this film i think they for everything i read they they felt a really personal connection because nico was from cleveland and they I think. And, and in Cleveland, they were just experiencing the opioid crisis in America firsthand. And this was something really personal to them. And I, I totally understand. That. I think that's a pretty noble effort to like see something from your hometown, go back to your hometown. I believe they went back to Cleveland to go make this movie a really noble effort. Um, and as I wrote in my review, I think that noble effort is a soulless cash in on um, <laughs> trauma, and it is the worst case scenario for a movie like this. This movie is horrible, guys. I mean, it's really, I was shocked. I was shocked, and I've been thinking since writing the review like two months ago, um, like whether I should have been surprised. It's not like the Russos have made maybe a great film. They've made big movies that have been successful and are very slick, um, but as, as filmmakers away from the Marvel machine are not necessarily notable i don't think welcome to collinwood is uh (laughs) welcome to collinwood was a big one i think they did um you me and dupree and then they basically went to television they did arrested Mm -hmm. development community and they got plucked for the captain america movies from television where it makes a lot of sense marvel wants tv directors to kind of come shoot for shoot for the suits um and they make it funny but the, the cherry is like watching to, I mean, I had this experience in, in film school, which was like, oh, it's money bags over there. They're going to spend $80,000 on their 20-minute short, and they're just going to rent every piece of gear 
from the the local gear shop and like they're just gonna move the dollies gonna go everywhere the styles out the wazoo every light let's get 4ks 8ks up there let's shoot lots of light here slow motion we're gonna pull all all the stops this movie is a mess an absolute mess and tom holland holland is caught in the middle of it doing like 18 different performances he's playing the college version of him he's playing the one in the war movie he's playing the heroin addict he's playing the bank robber it's like this movie's a mad cap i mean it, 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 tra- it sets up the like this is six different stories format for itself like it's trying to have it kind of like be wildly different from place to place which is why his performance is doing that too to defend Tom Holland a little I bit. mean, it, and he rises to that occasion, I think. If you siloed off those moments, he could be classified as good in Cherry. Uh, but none of these <laughs> no, pieces is, are connecting, right? He is wildly, wildly miscast. And what's, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't often harp on actors in my writing. I think it's maybe just a defect of mine as a critic, but for the most part, I, I tend to only focus on actors when I'm overly impressed by what they, they do. I think in professional films, acting is, <laughs> acting is hard. It tends to be pretty good. Um, and sometimes the most fascinating thing about performance is really the choice that was made to fill the role. And uh, I mean, the calculation that someone like, um, uh, what's his face? <laughs> Tom Holland? <laughs> yes, Tom Holland is uh, was going to be a good fit for this role. This like guileless actor, most famous for playing Spider-Man. He still reads on screen like he's a teenager, um, cannot play early 20s, let alone the late 20s and the hardened. Uh, you yeah, know. when he grows a mustache in this movie, yeah, it's and, kind and, of like and when kids cast, dress up for Halloween. And, and I really am loath coat. to, uh, you know, take down actors who are, who are less established. I mean, Spider-Man is uh, one thing, but... His co-star, whose name escapes me right now, Ciara um, Bravo. Ciara Bravo. Bravo, which is a great name. It shouldn't escape me. Ciara Bravo is uh, fantastic. Is uh, is I think was cast because she reads so young, and they thought that it might balance out Tom Holland's performance. But yeah, at, even in the, when the characters are at their oldest, she reads as if she's sixteen or seventeen years old. It's yeah. so off-putting. Um, particularly when, you know, in addition to all the addiction stuff, there's like the sexual element of it. I mean, it's like very... Yeah, and I find the camera work to, or uh, the direction to be kind of leering at times with her and she just seems so young. And but it's, it, it's so not like icky. watching a, uh, like a, a middle school play version yes. of an opioid addiction and just so, such a colossal miscalculation in a way that anyone watching the dailies would have to be like, we need to shut production down and completely <laughs> scrap our idea for this movie. Um, and, and that they didn't catch that. I just found so mind boggling. It's, it's hardly the only one of the, the movie's innumerable sins. I mean, this, this whole film, um, feels like a, uh, a throwback to the glory days of like the solipsistically over, solipsistically overcranked post nine 11 filmmaking, like spun and rules of attraction. A lot of the things that really were, were, um, What's set in that post nine eleven? It is. It so is. Maybe it it's feels just like an a, homage. I think that is absolutely <laughs> part of the, the part of the calculation. But the effect of watching it try to do that for almost two and a half hours um, to no end ad nauseum without a single scene that feels like it exists in the world outside of itself. I mean, tr- truly an insufferable experience watching this film. I 
cannot believe I'm going to step in to defend Cherry because I also I really was like about to movie. ask you to because I uh, could feel it. I could be like, but there are three I good scenes. I just defend Tom Holland mostly. <laughs> like I think his youthfulness. Like he, it starts when he's in college, right? Not in high school. It's him and his girlfriend are like college sweethearts. Like I think. Yeah, it's he's like rolling to... into college in the beginning. Yeah, I think you need to see him as this kind of babe in the woods who winds up in Iraq, um, kind of in over his head from the very beginning, and then as, and when he gets back and he and his girlfriend are becoming heroin addicts, like they need to feel like a little bit like children who are trying to play house and who think that they. But they play him as such an asshole when he gets to college. He's like, "I want to fuck that girl," and it's like, "Okay, dude, go." I mean, away. But he can also be a baby who has learned that behavior. Like, I feel like I knew people who acted like that when they were in high school. I don't know. Like, I I don't think that it's especially great work from him like i think he's been better in other non-spider-man stuff but i don't think he sierra bravo i agree like the the extent to which she is young and the camera layers are her is gross but i feel like he is not as in over his head as you guys but i I think what you're saying is is something that sounds interesting to me and certainly certainly i think that the 18 year olds we send off to war in this country are especially the older we get are going to read younger and younger and the whole idea will be more horrifying to us um but I don't know if anything that happens in the movie or any of the work that they get out of Tom Holland is able to compensate for how it reads on camera. But I also don't think that Tom Holland is put in a position to succeed in this movie. I think that there is yeah. so little space for him to operate in all of the, the the trickery and aesthetic fuckery that's happening here that there's really just no room for a character to yes. exist. I mean, it's Yeah, especially for how much transformation he has to undergo over the course of the movie. The other thing I was going to say is that I think as almost as a rule, I find drug movies boring i might have said this on the on the show before like train spotting is good almost everything else is bad like i get very sick of people being like but the high is so great and you're like oh is the is the horrible townfall coming oh it is coming and when people are high they are boring on film and uh that cherry is no exception even when they start robbing banks it's boring which is impressive it, it is impressive i mean it's also impressive how boring how quickly it becomes boring because that's how the movie opens i mean this is a movie that is that is uh, trying to Breaks the fourth wall. He tells us. Opens with a bank with a bank robbery. And uh, my eyes were rolling um, at the the side of the very first bank robbery at the start of it, which is interesting in theory, anyway, just because of how polite uh, a bank robber Cherry is, um, slipping a note and using a finger gun in his pocket and so forth. But uh, um, it it all (laughs) how polite of him. Man, I, I honestly just put together that Time, the documentary that we talked about in our top 10, 10 episodes a lot, is about real people in desperate circumstances who turn to bank robbery and how much more interesting a movie that is about <laughs> the most very similar subject matter. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I don't think a lot of people have seen Cherry, so maybe Time will actually... But that's the other thing about Cherry. Like, there's no aftermath. There's no understanding this character and, and the deeds he's done. It's only glamorizing and exploiting, in my opinion... The, the vices and the crimes and the like the doing drugs from the very beginning like it has this amateurish i took lsd scene in the college stuff i'm just like get over this what what is this um yeah, i don't I mean, get I, what the russos wanted here they I just played with all to, the tricks i want to applaud the effort to find new and ostensibly fresh ways to depict the kind of uh disaffectation that people bring home from them for more. It's sort of the end of the Hurt Locker idea. This is something, a trope that we've seen in in a number of films and other media, especially over the last 20 years and the rise of PTSD in the public consciousness. Um, because this is, I would imagine, something that happens. I, I am made to understand watching this movie that that someone who survives a tour of duty in uh, in Afghanistan is going to come home and feel numb to a lot of the things they find in, in the workaday world here. But 
you know, when you are trying to find a way to articulate that in a way that makes it fresh and, and as urgent a problem for the viewers, as urgent to them as it is for so many of our soldiers in this country, and you fall short, it ends up, you know, being as much of a slog as this movie is. Yep. And then we go in his butthole at some point. Um, in the butthole. <laughs> yeah, it, during the army scene, I think he gets a rectal exam and we're from inside the butthole. We needed to go there for some reason. But- the butthole cut you've been asking there, for there is years. a little bit of you know i there's I, a lot of comedy I hate, well i hate to presume intention on filmmakers but it's hard to watch this you know a blank check cashed after making what was at the time the most successful movie of all time has recently been eclipsed by uh avatars re-release in china That's um, weird shit. but uh or the, at least the highest grossing film of all time not the most successful but um, it, it, you know, it certainly feels like filmmakers whose hands have been untied from the, the strictures of the Marvel aesthetic and are free to really go hog wild. And that's exactly what they do. And there's a certain like edge lordiness to a lot yeah. of the stuff in Cherry that is baked into the source material, but the Russo brothers certainly don't shy away from. And none of it plays. I mean, it all feels like rehashed stuff from Fight Club era American film, but without even that degree of subversiveness. And, um, yeah, this is this is worse the year stuff for me. I don't know. I can't really bother to think about it. I, this movie was uh, David. The year is so young. I oh know. God. No, I'm just saying. No, it's like I, going I, in the, I think you're right it's because going it's, in the a, list. it's an extraordinary misfire. I like thinking about it because you wonder how it could go so wrong. How can this level of of production value? How can all the tricks? How can these guys who have have had I don't know? They've gone through every step of a giant movie. Maybe it is just so different doing something small and personal. It just, they overplay everything. They overplay every little beat. There's no humanity in this movie at all. And that's all it really has yeah. going for it, trying to find the soul of this guy. And yeah, uh, I said this in my re- review too, which is like, it, it feels like watching Fat Thor. Um, sorry, excuse my language, but that's what everyone was calling that uh, character in that sequence. But it's like, come on. I like, this is not a joke. This is serious shit, and it's just played for laughs so often. It's bizarre. Yeah, no bueno. a wonderful day for Oscar nominations. Oscar, Oscar nominations. Wait, Probably like three days ago at this start. point. But... Wow. wow. <laughs> you just skipped right over my singing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, uh, why, did, why did the Oscar nominations start this morning at 8.15 rather than the traditional 8.30? Oh, they usually do that. They do like the ones that people care less about at 8.15 so that then the, like, the Today Show will go live at 8.30. Oh, maybe this is just me. Ones. I guess that was just me misremembering because I could have sworn it always started at 8.30 yeah, and then they did I, the break and then they did the second half. Yeah, I, I feel like it, I'm right. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad we're starting this with you the most feel important part of the Oscar nominations. I, by, the, <laughs> by the time you are listening to this, Oscar nominations have been out for days. Maybe uh, I'm but wrong. they're they're, fr- <laughs> they're fresh for us today. Okay. Um, I talked about them on Little Goldman, obviously, so you can hear lots more about that. So maybe I should talk less about it, other than to say, I think for what it could have been, other, with some obvious omissions in various places, pretty good lineup. I feel pretty good about this. Katie, how many of the eight Best Picture nominees, and we only have eight this year, which is interesting. Only eight. Do you support? Oh, like, do I think, do I support, like, as a Best Picture winner, or do I think are good to great movies? Good to great movies. Um, well, I mean, close. Both through them. The Father? 
The father's great. Okay. I Everyone should I, see the father. I couldn't believe the father squeaked in there. I mean, I know. I loved it. And I feel like the, the father is the one that I think needs most. The father had a ton not, of nominations, too. It's not streaming yet. And it sounds like such a stone cold drag. That oh, yeah. It's a bummer. It's a drama about Alzheimer's. But it is really is it, good. Really interesting. Not a stone cold drag. I mean, I, it is a stone cold bummer. But like, it's uh, not. It's just much more interesting <laughs> movie than you think it is. The father uh, absolutely the father. deserves uh, to talk about it when it comes to, to be to nominated. It's just, uh, boy, I saw the movie once at Sundance last year, more than a year ago now. And uh, that was enough for, for one lifetime. What I think but do Dave we go in the father's butthole? Say, That's kind of my... <laughs> David is trying to get me to say that I think The Trial of Chicago 7 is a good movie, which I do. I am not trying to and, do anything. I was, and, just, I was just trying to facilitate smooth conversation on this podcast. Of these movies, I would say Promising Young Woman and Trial of Chicago 7 are the only ones that are like, ah, you know, there's a lot, there's a ton of room for improvement there. Even though Mank is not my favorite of anything, no. I understand why it's there. And then The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Munari, Nomadland, Sound of Metal... Rock solid. That's a great lineup of movies. It also feels like a lineup of movies that would not happen if we had had a normal year of yeah. movies, right? Like I to feel some yeah. extent. I mean, not, I mean, some of them would like certainly be in there. Spectacular because I don't know. All the heavy hitters are the ones with bigger uh, award season PR budgets don't exist, and the smaller movies can triumph this year. I mean, to like. To some extent, I mean, Nomadland is Fox Searchlight's big movie. It was always going to be like that movie was going to be in a position. And that's still going to The same as the Warner Brothers. I I think it's down to Nomadland and Minari. If you really now, yeah, I mean, because so the SAG Awards are on April fourth. They're the last big award show before the Oscars. Nomadland is not nominated for the ensemble prize for logical reasons. I think Minari is going to win that, and then it's going to be a horse race. Right, but but it's only really an indicator of uh, something that augurs the winner of the Oscar if. The, the top contenders are both eligible. I mean, it was so exciting that Parasite won because whatever forgettable movie, 1917 or whatever it was, the Parasite was going against. Was 1917 eligible? Am I just pulling this out of my ass? I, I, I do forget 1917. Good honestly. classification of that as a forgettable movie. It's not, I can't remember it at all. Um, anyway. <laughs> it was one shot. You only forgot oh, one right. shot. <laughs> uh, I remember 1917 because it was the movie I was supposed to see on the day my son was born. And that wow. is about it. But uh, the... Man, I, Minari, what, what a great winner that would be. That'd be so exciting. Yeah, and the fact that it feels like it's down to Minari versus Nomadland in itself, I think, is really exciting. You, and You don't think Trial yes. of Chicago 7 has a shot? I mean, yeah. I think if it wins the SAG Ensemble, then we're all going to freak out and people will worry about it. it as much as I feel like that like movie, people... it would be fine if it – I mean, it doesn't feel Sorkin like Sorkin didn't got. get a directing nomination. Sure. Sorkin didn't get a directing nomination. <laughs> It is a Netflix movie, and I think even though Netflix is like popping up all over the place, like there is still a lack of passion around Netflix projects that happens year. What an amazing thing! They've spent so much money. They sent Mm -hmm. us so much dumb swag, like worthless. I got a picture of Amanda Seyfried, a black and white eight by ten glossy (laughs) of her in Mank. Uh, They're just spending so much money, and they cannot bag this Oscar. I (laughs) love Amanda Seyfried photo. Went directly to the stoop. But uh, the, I mean, of, of all years, this would seem like Netflix's big hope. I mean, they've, exactly. come, they've been, they've been the runner up at the Oscars for so many years running now. And this, this seemed like the one year there was like a gimme. And even then, uh, it feels like Fox Searchlight or I suppose maybe A24 would, would triumph. Um, the love for Minari I- is, is so exciting. Um, and I think Sound of Metal is a good movie, but I think that's the movie that probably would not have occupied the same place in the conversation mm-hmm. in a, in yeah a exactly year. yeah uh what do you guys make of the lack of support for um the five bloods and one night in miami 
And Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about Ma Rainey's too. too. I, I, I hear a lot of people talking about this. I mean, Defy Bloods pisses me off because I think it's a fantastic movie. And I, I am behind the, uh, uh, the actors and Spike. And I, I think the score actually got a... It did, nomination. Yeah. Um, but like Delroy, Delroy Lindo, Lindo is, is, is criminal. Is I mean, he's really fucking good in this movie. Um, but I saw a lot of people talk about One Night in Miami and Ma Rainey's. The movies are not very good. The movies are not very good. I don't know what to say. Like, they don't, I didn't expect to see them in Best Picture because they're not very good. And there's a lot of good movies. And there's like, I'm glad to see. Judas and the Black Messiah up there. Like, it's hard to make a case that it's some sort of like weird racial divide with the voting body when Judas uh, and the Black Messiah is like overrepresenting in some way. Lakeith is like, what a great, I love seeing him in the, in the actor lineup. That's so cool. I don't cool. know that Judas and the Black Messiah being there means that there's not uh, r- racial issues within the Academy. Um, I mean, of course there are ra- ra- uh, racial issues in the Academy. I just like, I don't know. Do all, what movies deserve to get in and don't? I don't know. Like, I am th- I, with you in general that I think uh, most of the movies that are in Best Picture are better than Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or One Night in Miami. And I think that's kind of what saves us from having like a real shit show on our hands. Also, if Aaron Sorkin had gotten that nomination instead of Thomas Vinterberg and director over Regina King and George C. Wolf and Spike Lee, I think we'd be also be having a really different conversation. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Sam, really pretty happy is. about that Vinterberg. Uh, yeah, it's, it nice to see, it's nice to see a movie that's like mostly acting and and mostly intimacy. Uh, get a directing nomination. That is cool. It's not that flashy. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, George C. Wolf direct the shit out of Marani. Like, I don't yeah. love the movie, but I don't, and I don't know if it's best picture quality with the rest of these nominations. Maybe Trial of uh, Chicago 7, notwithstanding, but like, he, uh, that above One Night Miami is like taking that material to another level through the direction. So maybe I could have seen him crack that. But Dave, what do you think? Oh, I'm really pulling for Wolfwalkers. That's yeah. where all my, all my energy is directing people away from Soul, which I've been watching like some more behind the scenes things about like how Soul was rigged and it's absolutely amazing that you know Pixar keeps coming up with this stuff. But oh, was Wolfwalkers is amazing. It rigged like rigging animation. Are you, Quiet patches. Are, are you rooting for uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and John Batiste though? the score i mean i'm always rooting for them because uh, nine inch nails yeah uh, i was about to say sure. you're never not going to be on Trent Reznor's team <laughs> and they're <laughs> yeah, not exactly. for Mank, so you can really pick one for him yeah but for animated feature wise uh, i'm going to try to push for wolf walkers to once again continue our little spider-verse push of the better animated movie beating the disney animated movie mm. which i think is now the uh that's the hurdle you have to you have to clear I think for the Oscars. soul is not going to be the one to beat for that but i don't know you never know um, I want to just out. emphasize the total insanity of Lakeith Stanfield being nominated in Supporting Actor. Not that he's not worthy. It is a uh, great movie with two great performances in it. It is a two-lead movie, and its two lead actors are both nominated in Supporting, which is bananas. And I'm glad he's nominated, but it is one of the wildest nominations. Well, now I've the seen. only question is, because every year we have our, our category frauds. I mean, it's tradition at this point, but yes. um, now the only question is, can the Oscars possibly be as well-produced as, of all things, the Grammys? <laughs> I mean, I had a great time watching the Grammys. As, can did, be as, as did I. As, uh, as, the Grammys are a just spectacularly worthless show. I mean, not quite a Hollywood foreign press, Golden Globes levels, but um, a, a, as an award, they're 
They're uh, pretty chintzy by my standards, but what a broadcast they put on last night. The problem with the Grammy, I mean, this, and this feels like obvious, but like they are all nominating performers who are there to perform the thing that they do really well that they're nominated for on a stage that is uh, contained within the theater or whatever they had set up last night. The Oscars can't really do that. Like the the format is just has to be different. Although we do get to see Husevic performed at the Oscars, so we got that going for they us. They could have had Taylor Swift performing uh, only The Young, but for and reasons that will mystify me until the end of time, they decided to shortlist seven Diane Warren songs instead. Uh, Husevic forever. May it win everything. Anything else? No, it's going to be a fun. Fun month of prognosticating. Uh, that'd sure. be six weeks, my friends. Six wow. weeks April twenty fifth. That's, so y- that's a yikes. Oh. I mean, do you think there's a lot of what's the big open ended? You don't. You couldn't even make a prediction, Katie. What what feels like supporting actress is the weird one. Um, no, it's still, going to Momo. Mimo. <laughs> wow, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe she got in there. She's very. It, she's good as far as as far as hillbilly elegy goes. Glenn on the hillbilly elegy sliding scale she is at the top <laughs> patches you never responded to me sending you scott tobias's tweet that said david letterman voice mama tutar tutar mama uh, <laughs> but can we can, can i just one small mercy that i would love for you to lead the charge on in the oscar space is if we could just write all the stories about how the oscar telecast has historically low ratings now and oh, save yeah. everyone the grief shit? the next day yeah who, who cares they certainly will. No one's seen these movies. No one cares. They especially won't. But care that doesn't make any By sense. April? A lot of people have seen these movies. More people than ever have, have seen these. No Medley's on they? Hulu. Half no, the movies no, are on Netflix. People can see these movies. Have they seen these movies? That is a good distinction. The accessibility of the Oscars is without, great. I'm all for that. The, the you know the festivities around the Oscar, the hoopla, which we've lost this year. Uh, I just don't think the excitement is there for people to, to see. Especially by April 25th. Everyone in Connecticut can be vaccinated. They can go to dinner instead of watching the Oscars, and they probably <laughs> will because they haven't done it in a year. Rough. That's fair. The Oscars. The Oscars lose out to vaccine dinners. <laughs> lose out to bowling or literally anything <laughs> that doesn't involve a screen inside your house. I stood in line in the liquor store. <laughs> is that is that your big post vaccine plan? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go back to that big liquor store. <laughs> Connected Pikachu is the best movie, and I also like the one where Detective Pikachu is singing. What? All right, so Charlie, you're here to talk about Detective Pikachu. Why did you want to watch Detective Pikachu when you first started? What made it look like a good movie? I like the part where Detective Pikachu is just sing, sing, sing. What does he sing? Like, it's hard to do, manage that. What about Psyduck? Do you like Psyduck? Nope. Do you like the big fish Pokemon? Yeah. What, like... about, what about Mewtwo? That. Don't touch the microphone. That Pikachu just... Thought that fish would do something, but it didn't. What? So your favorite part of Detective Pikachu is where the t- is where Pikachu sings. Yep. What's your second favorite part? You can take out yours. 
Mm, I think my favorite part is when they're at the parade and there's a big scene where they're all running around in the parade. And I like the part where he says, are you trying to mug me or are you going to annoy me to death? <laughs> That's funny. What Dad. would you want to see happen if there were made another Detective Pikachu movie? <coughs> you talk about what you would want. Well, now, do, do we want to spoil the ending of Detective Pikachu for people who haven't seen it? No. Okay, so we won't spoil the ending. So I don't want to talk about what happens at the end of Detective Pikachu. Is it a better movie than Up? No. Okay, so is Up still the best movie? It is. No, it's not. What's the best movie? Detective Pikachu. I think that's a good answer. That does it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week. The time has come. We're talking about the Snyder Cut. Holy shit. Four <laughs> hours. Unite the seven. <laughs> hey, Patches, is so, he Unite the seven? We're gonna, or is there only six? Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I think he unites the seven. <laughs> I, I truly could not spoil This the is last... my favorite spoiler from 2017 ever. I truly could not spoil the last hour of this movie if I tried. Because uh, I, I did not begin to understand it, but I realize I need to ask for a screener for this because finishing all four hours of it from Friday to Monday when we record next week's episode is going to be a tall order. Chip away. I, I, he's doing uh, Zack Snyder is doing a like live commentary on Thursday night when it comes out. Oh my god! I'm thinking about on what? Maybe that making that on much. like Vero or. Something like that. He's doing some sort of live commentary that you're going to be able to click through uh, Warner Brothers and HBO Max. Oh wow! And get to I would some I would be interested in that. Yeah, I would recommend. Well, I would say yes. You should watch that for the first time with the commentary because the movie is almost exactly the same. We'll get into this. Uh, so if you've seen the 2017 version, you're fine watching the, the commentary Have version I? first. But I also feel like Zack Snyder has said everything he could possibly say about this movie already. <laughs> like, I could feel him making tweets for the past five years as I watch every frame of it. It's so familiar. So I don't know if there would be much benefit. I don't know what else he could say. Anyway, uh, well, do I've as you must. I've never seen Justice League uh, 2017, so I'm really in that's for a, a world of, of adventure. That's great, actually. You'll see this fresh. Yeah. You'll see the whole uh, movie. Can't wait. Uh, and as a reminder, the week after that, we're going to talk about Search Party. So uh, everyone binge, should start binge, watching that, too. Binge. Also on HBO Max. Yeah, we're, we're in a, a real, real HBO Warner Max period. Media hog we'll, this year. We'll get out. Come on, Netflix. Release something we want to talk about. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches, senior editor at Polygon. I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And remember, we have a website. So if you're cruising online and you need a destination, fightingintheworm.com. It's got old episodes. If you've watched a movie from a long time ago, I bet we talked about it. We talk about a lot of things. Fightingandnorm.com. I'm David Ehrlich, and senior film critic for IndieWire. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. If I be writing about South by Southwest this week and uh, other assorted things, I guess the Snyder Cut at the end of the week. Uh, you can find all of us, more importantly, on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room. Leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll read it live on the show. Live for us, anyway. Taped for you. Still exciting. Thanks. Uh, and I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E. You're listening to me on the Storm the Lost Rewatch podcast. And I want to say to our listeners who work at Netflix, 
like, we're not that sorry because we did pimp Mank for like a year on this podcast. <laughs> so now it's just HBO Max's turn, and it'll Mank back around to you when you give us another Mank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. Uh, you can find me at VanityFair.com on the Little Goldman podcast this week. We talked about the Oscar nominations. It's already out. Listen to it. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, where you can talk to us about Mank or the Snyder Cut. Or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of finally talking about the new Justice League, what's the subtitle of Zack Snyder's Justice League 2? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. I'm done.